We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory brought to you by Emprise Bank. When was the last time that you actually walked into your bank and interacted with a human inside the bank? I mean, now more than ever, who you are doing business with is way more important than the location of the structure that you're doing it with. Emprise Bank is a trusted business partner that can serve anyone anywhere, just like they serve us over here at KCSN. So Emprise Bank, member FDIC, is our partner in Possible. They helped out with the entire network so far and with the KCSN Draft Guide, which is available for the draft that's coming up in a mere matter of days. And I am Craig Stout. Joining me this week is my good pal and draft aficionado, Maddie Lane. You can find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Buddy, how we doing? Are you excited for the draft? Are, are we there yet? I mean, it, it, it seems so far away at this point. <laughs> we're, we're not there yet, Craig. Um, <laughs> we got the, this is the worst week to be a fan of the draft or to just like just be in the space because nothing this week is real. It's all fake. Nothing happens. Everybody has been watching the same guys for the same film for long enough now that now you're like, what happens this week is people either dig their heels in because they realize they really love a player and they think he's the best thing ever. And they're like this. Yes, 100%. He's even better than I thought before. Or if you liked him, you now hate him because he's not a guy that you love. Like that's all that happens this week. So I, it's the, it's a, it's a bad week. Um, Coming next Monday. Next Monday is when mock drafts and information becomes real. So I just, I can't wait for that. Right now, we're just, we got to get through this week. Is this long, long week? <laughs> well, thankfully, this long, long week came with a little bit of Chiefs news. Non draft uh, news. Woo! Non draft news. Woo! Yay! The Chiefs held some pressers this week. Um, had, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, uh, McCall Hardman, and Nick Bolton available to the media. That's a, that's a, a good chunk of guys there, four guys that factor in pretty heavily into what the Chiefs are going to be doing, especially with what they've done here in this offseason. So this was actually one of these ones where not a ton of information coming out there, but it's good to hear from these guys, especially some of the players that we haven't heard from since well before the last game of the year. This is kind of the time where you get to see some optimism you kind of get to hear some of the ways that 
a lot of these guys are reacting to free agency, reacting to the moves that the team have made, not just Andy. Andy's a professional. He's going to toe the line. You're not going to get anything from Andy at this point, but hearing from Patrick, hearing from Nicole, hearing from Nick Bolton, it, it was good to hear. And I think the first thing and the thing that jumps out the most about what we heard today was that Patrick Mahomes is basically doing his own thing in Texas with all the weapons, all the new guys that are down there. I think we know now that basically everybody under the sun that is on the Chiefs roster as a pass catcher, running back, any sort of offensive weapon is there in Texas with Patrick Mahomes, unless they're recovering from an injury. So that's good to hear. And Andy and Patrick both kind of made it clear that he's running a little bit autonomously down there and that Andy Reid trusts him to run autonomously. I mean, it's not significantly different from what we've seen in some of the COVID years, but they don't necessarily have to do that and have to abide by those rules. But I thought it was very interesting, the trust level that Andy has put in Patrick and his team and making sure that everybody's on the same page. I don't know. Did you take away the same sort of things, Maddie? Yeah, I think it's it's inter it's really interesting. Um, Andy came up first, and he kind of talked about how all meetings were going to be done virtually, regardless. Like this had that had nothing to do with you know Patrick Mahomes and all these weapons being not there. But it came out that all the meetings were going to be virtual. There's still plenty of guys. I mean, we heard that Chris Jones and Nick Bolton and some other guys who are in like in the facility in Kansas City at the facility working out. But all the team meeting stuff is happening virtually. So. I am assuming that when Mahomes found that out, when Patrick Mahomes found that out, it's just like, okay, well, why, why go back to Kansas City? Why not stay, as he said, where it's a little bit warmer and somewhere mm -hmm. where, I mean, you know, maybe he feels just more comfortable doing the offseason stuff there or whatever it may be, but he got everybody together down there. Like everybody came to him. He essentially got a, approval from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and presumably Matt Nagy to go ahead and do that that way. Um, so it's good. I'm glad everybody's made it down there. If this is what they feel the most comfortable with doing, like have at it, right? Like there's no, no qualms with it by any means. It's just, that's interesting for Andy Reed who very much enjoys guys being at the facility as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. A Andy is one of those guys that if he could have everybody in Arrowhead or at the practice field, 365 days a year, he would do it. <laughs> you know, that's unrealistic, but he would absolutely do that and keep those guys under lock and key and as focused as possible. So yeah, the trust level that comes from saying, Hey, not only is there a whole bunch of guys available, you know, it, it, guys that are new to the team that need to develop some of the offensive side of things and, you know, really showcase that they can work with Mahomes, showcase the sort of offense that they're running in Kansas city Andy Reid saying, you know, and granted, they can't work with them in that sort of method yet. But Andy Reid is saying, not only do you not need to be in the facility, I'm going to trust Patrick. I'm going to trust Travis. I'm going to trust McCole. You know, these guys that have been there for a while and know the offense to help Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, these guys come along quickly. You know, as Mahomes said, this is about developing relationships. That's what it's mostly about, making sure we're all on the same page, making sure we understand how each other works. That's good to see, and it's good to see the kind of attendance that you're seeing because, I mean, I, a lot has been made over, you know, who's where and when and all of that, you know, throughout this entire process in the past several years. But seeing everybody show up, seeing everybody be there and participating in that and then 
you know, just kind of the noteworthiness of the coaching staff hanging that on Mahomes. It just, I, I, I still view him as a young player, even though he's, you know, this is, this is his team. It's unquestionably his team, but I still view him as a young player. And so for the coaching staff, especially Andy Reid, you know, doing that, it just, it speaks volumes as to his maturity level, what they expect out of him and how they know they can trust him. So that's, it's just really fun to see this offseason starting with something like that when there's going to be so much turnover at the offensive weapon. And now, and one thing I do want to say is like, I think it might be a concern for some people that, and not a concern, but just like something they find interesting that they're not in Kansas City. So you might be sitting there thinking, oh, they're just going to have all these veterans <laughs> running this, you know, teaching these young guys the same stuff that they've done in years past, right? That's all this is going to happen anyway, though, at phase one. The coaches can't go out there and coach stuff anyway. You know, I think Andy even said essentially what they're going to do is they're going to in their meetings, they're going to talk about a couple of their staple plays that they have run. I mean, literally day one install stuff. So the, their staple things that they base their entire offense around, not even based it around, just their most basic plays from a couple packages. You go over to meetings. This is stuff that every team does. It's very few plays during this. So like whether they're in Kansas City, whether they're in Dallas, whether they're in Alaska on a, you know on an air carrier somewhere, like they can get this same mm. stuff essentially done. Yeah, work on that, Craig. Get that, okay, get that figured out next it. year. Um <laughs> It's so like, it's the same stuff. So like, there's no concern there. What what I found interesting, unless you have more about Mahomes running his mm. own camp, was kind of what Patrick Mahomes was saying about his new weapons versus kind of what Andy Reid was, was saying about the new weapons. Because not that they were different. Like, they didn't say anything different. It was just differently in how they approached it. So specifically to start with, like, the size of wide receivers – Andy Reid was asked about, you know, how they mentioned at the owners meeting that they got some bigger receivers and they liked the size was that why did they think they needed it? And Andy said, well, yeah, they're bigger, but we didn't purposely go after bigger mm -hmm. wide receivers. It just happened that way. We like other stuff they do. They just happen to be big. Craig, are you buying that Andy <laughs> Reid didn't go after bigger wide receivers and Man. the MVS and Juju just happened to be big? Yeah, just just happened to be the exact style of player that would fit perfectly and complement and be good blockers and play physical through contact and a lot of the things that we haven't necessarily seen, you know, receivers outside of Kelsey be able to do repeatedly. Uh, no, no, I no, absolutely. I, I think that they they made a targeted effort to go after those kinds of guys, to go after those bigger guys. And to do that, I think Andy's playing the game a little bit. Obviously, he doesn't want to tip his hand fully here. He's playing the game a little bit. I, I fully think that they went after size. And I think I, you hear Patrick Mahomes talk about it. it. To get to the second half of your point here, Patrick Mahomes was saying, yeah, there were a couple balls that I, I, I let loose. And I went, oh, no, I overthrew him. And the receiver went up and got it. Juju went up and got it. Uh, you know, MVS went up and got it. Like he's not used to the size. And so he's kind of looking at that and he's going, wow, this is nice. My, my margin for error is significantly, you know, greater. You know, I can, I can rifle some of this stuff in the window. The throwing window is open. Tyree kill is an amazing elite receiver. This is not a dunk on him by any means, but the throwing window is bigger. With a guy like MVS, it just plain is. It's it's the way that it is. So, it it's interesting to hear Patrick Mahomes then turn around after Andy reads it. Oh no, we didn't try and do that. Then to gush about the fact that he's got this size and he's got this ability to hit guys in a wider range than maybe he had before. 
Yeah, I, I think that was very clear when you heard Mahomes talk was, and you know, it was routes against air. And he said that, and mm -hmm. they're just run through stuff. But he said, you know, a couple balls, he let go and he knew immediately like, oh, I overthrew that or I was going to be off. And he says, these guys caught it. And it was just, it just seemed like he was genuinely not just happy because he's working with these guys, but like he was genuinely impressed and enjoyed throwing to some guys that had a bigger, a bigger catch radius. And maybe some of that is going to be, you know, a little bit of lip service. Maybe some of that is a narrative they're pushing out there for whatever reason, but like it just, the way he talked about it and came back to it a couple times, pulled, you know, Travis Kelsey's name into the conversation a little bit. Like it made you feel like it was kind of like, it was real. He liked throwing to some of these bigger bodied guys. So then now my question for you is, just to relate to the draft, do we think the Chiefs are still looking for a big-bodied guy in the draft, or do you think that going more towards Andy's point, whether it was fake or not, they might be looking to add a different skill set to the bigger bodies that they have? Or do you take nothing from any of this in that regard? Listen, as far as Andy is concerned, I, I am taking absolutely nothing. That, that man has, you know ice in his veins this time of year he's not going to give anybody a single competitive advantage and not going to relay any sort of information like that i mean but that being said i do think that this opens things up a little bit they've got the physical guys they don't necessarily need another guy now they fully could go out and get another guy and get like a true extra let's Let's just throw out a name. I'll call him George Pickens. You could get a George Pickens and have a guy that can play physical, be your ex receiver, and trust on the outside and still fit him in with Juju Smith Schuster, MVS, McCall Hardman. Those guys don't get replaced by a George Pickens in that role. Those guys can all still support each other. There's still a role for them on the field together in that ex receiver role, in that physical role. But you don't have to do that. If, for example, as it just popped up on the screen, if you are on the YouTube live stream here, Jim Mint City Collectibles, Jamison Williams is available. Like, let's say the Chiefs make him a priority. Now, all of a sudden, you've got the physical guys. You've got this guy. And, you know, Jamison Williams is, is not necessarily viewed in the same way that maybe he should be. B. Jameson Williams is a long guy. He's got a big catch radius as well. I think everybody sees the burner element of him and thinks he's a small, quick guy. But he's got catch radius as well. He's got the ability to keep some of those windows open. But he fits more in the Tyreek Hill role. So I, I just think it opens everything up by having those guys. So that's my way of sitting on the fence firmly and not answering your question, Maddie. What do you think they're going to do? Well, okay, so this... There was a lot, and I think we're talking this offense, we're talking wide receivers. I think there's actually a few other points here. But one mm -hmm. of the big ones, this, this is a big emphasis through a lot of the stuff today, McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman came up a lot to, to Mahomes. He also spoke today. He Andy Reid was asked about him. He came up at every single level. So there was a lot of McCall Hardman praise, and the, the team genuinely came across and seemed excited for what he was going to be able to do now. Um Andy Reid, well, Andy Reid in typical Andy Reid fashion, like he, he propped him up, but then also played it safe at the same time. Like he said, oh no, we know what he's good at. He's good at X, Y, and Z. And then we'll see what else he can do is essentially the basis of what Andy Reid said. 
but he actually no. said he's good with the ball in his hands and we we find ways to get the ball in his hands like that was almost a direct quote from him right, which yeah, is how so he's been used so far yeah they straight up said we he we know what he's good at was like how he started the whole point and then he like went on to give it a little bit of fluff to make it i think some people started to think like oh McCole hardman's gonna play outside and he said we have multiple guys that can play in the slot like i think if you look at the totality of it, McCole Hardman was still in the mix there. And then Patrick Mahomes was asked about him. And he said, you know, he talked him up, talked about how he could be a pro or he was a pro bowl player once as a returner. He could be a pro bowl player again. He's had success running the quote unquote Tyree kill routes before. So like they were guys were propping up McCole Hardman. They were getting ready. And whether I'm not saying they do or don't, you know, believe that he's a Pro Bowl player that have these grand plans for him. But this is what you say at this point in time, because there's two main reasons. One, you believe that and you're trying to build up his confidence because he does have to play an important role in your team right now. There's zero mm-hmm. reason to say otherwise. And maybe they do in fact think all that or two, you don't want, you want teams thinking you think he's great because if you want to go trade up for Jamison Williams, you don't want the rest of the NFL thinking, Oh, Hey, they might go trade up for the other fast guy. They like the one that they have. So like, I think be careful reading too far into some of that stuff. Not saying you don't be excited, not saying don't believe some of the hype and anything like that. But Cole Hardman could have come out or should come out and have a career year this year, but also don't read too much into it right now because I think everybody kind of, kind of came across a little bit of that same caveat of, well, we know what he's done in the past. He does those things really well. Maybe more can come now. I mean, it, it's one of those that if this, if all these quotes were happening two weeks from now, it, that doesn't make any sense because they're going to be talking to draft picks. Let's call it four weeks from now. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, they think ridiculously highly of him. He's going to fit right into that Tyreek Hill role. He's going to be the guy. They're going to do all that. But it's just... It's simply because it's lying season right now. It really is. That makes you just take a little bit of a, you know, hold your breath a little bit. Now, that being said, McCall Hartman still would have a role. If they traded up for James Williams, he still has a role. They're still going to find ways to get him the ball. They're still going to use him with some of those great blocking receivers in front of him. Like, it's not like he just disappears and, you know, falls off the face of the earth. He's still a key part of this offense. And I think that kind of, That brings it back to one of the other things that Patrick had kind of said earlier today. I I think he kind of alluded to it a little bit, like definitely going to miss Tyree kill. He's happy for his guy and everything like that. But I think he likes the floor of wide receiver three a little bit more. And I'm including Tyree or Travis Kelsey in this right now, but I think he likes the floor of, you know, either Juju Smith Schuster or MVS, or even McCall Hardman being a guy that's going to raise the floor of that wide receiver room a little bit. He talked about having options and having lots of guys that he can rely on. Mentioned McColl, you know, by name when bringing those up before he was even asked about McColl. So it was, it, it's one of those things I think. I, I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that you're looking at it and saying, boy, he's glad Tyreek Hill's gone because he's certainly not. Like that's ridiculous. But I think he may be happy that the room is a little more rounded out. Am I reading too much into that, Maddie? Or did you get kind of that impression as well? I I I sent this to you guys in a DM after I listened to it, and I didn't know if it was I didn't know if it was great for a podcast, but here we are. I'm bringing it up now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um 
I thought Patrick Mahomes just sounded and just seemed excited. He seemed excited to be working with the guys that he was. He seemed excited to be, and the way he phrased it, trying to think about the way teams are going to play them now without a Tyreek Hill, trying to figure out how team, what are teams going to do without, you know, quote unquote, knowing where they were trying to go the ball. They did such a good job of getting Kelsey and Tyree kill the ball. They designed everything around getting those guys open. Uh, you're, you're kidding yourself if you don't think that Tyree kill played a huge part of their game plan every single weekend and week out. This offense very clearly centered around those three players pretty equally. And now you lose one. But I think from the home stance, what I'm just getting just from listening to him talk was he kind of feels, and maybe more than just him, maybe it's the coaching staff, it almost comes across as like he kind of feels like teams knew how they were using Tyreek Hill and how they wanted to get him the ball. So they were playing the Chiefs offense based around that. And since that's a main structure, that's a main pillar of the Chiefs offense, it made it kind of wonky. So I think he's excited. He's excited to go out there and you call a route combination now, and it's no longer about trying to hit Tyreek Hill on the over and then coming down to Travis Kelsey on the backside running a little option route. Now, all of a sudden, you have three to four guys, depending on the coverage you get, that are the guys that you are looking for. And I get it. Like, it's not that simple. That was always an option. <laughs> I was going to say, Andy should have figured that out then. What, what's going on? Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, we've talked about it on this podcast over the years. Yeah. Andy gets a little stale sometimes. Not always, not year to year, but there's times where he kind of starts to run the same stuff in the ground as teams pick up on it. You know, the man-to-man debacle of 2019 before they figured it out. You know, zone debacles of 2020, I believe it was. Like, there's issues in there. And so, like, just he seemed excited. He seemed excited to have a different room and to think about this offense in his mind that isn't centered around one wide receiver and one tight end and everybody else just fills and rolls around them, but rather everybody going together. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just doing a good job of an interview, but, like, I really got the feeling that he's kind of excited for what this year is going to look like. Well, and I think I think that kind of goes hand in hand with him being trusted to run his own, you know, essential virtual camp here like he's that excited about it it's not it's not going to be lackadaisical i'm sure the coaching staff can sense it as well and can sense the excitement of maybe him thinking it's a little more complete you know i i don't i don't know how i feel about that personally but i mean he definitely conveyed more excitement it could just be that it scratches a new itch for him you know, it was, hey, we're going to see too high. We're going to see this. He was even asked a little bit. It was a great question. It was asked about, you know, does he expect to see some more of what the Bengals were doing? Does he expect, you know, because basically teams mimicked what Tampa did in the Super Bowl last year. Do they, does he expect teams to mimic what Cincinnati is going to do this year? And he kind of went, you know, maybe, but it's our job to solve that. And we've not always done a good job of solving that. So, Maybe he sees the wide receiver room and sees, listen, I've got option A, B, and C for when this defense throws this at me and just feels like these guys can maybe beat the coverages a little bit differently than what we saw before. So I get that excitement for a more complete room. I get that excitement for adding this many new bodies that you feel like you can move around and use to the best of their ability because that completeness matters to a wide receiver room just like the completeness matters in your liquor store and when you have elite selection elite prices and elite customer service that's what you need you are complete at that point i know i talk to franchisees all the time here trying to get more macadoodles all over the place kansas city you have one coming in 
summer of this year, Tuesley's Summit. I'm talking to you, all of you listening right now. We're going to pack that place. And then you're going to get sick and tired of having to elbow everybody around because it's going to be so packed. There's going to be so many people that are there. You're going to love it so much. It is going to be the most complete liquor buying experience that you have ever seen. So get excited that it's coming there. Macadoodles Lee's Summit of this year. Maddie, do you have any more that you would like to bring up about the oh, wide receiver room? Buddy, do buddy. I? Buddy, okay, do let's I? do it. All right, well, I did want to circle back real quick to, to the McCole Hardman point of we don't know where it's going. I said, we're going to know in 10 days, though, right? Like, or in 11 oh, yeah. days, I guess. Well, 12, because you got to get to day two. But, like, if the Chiefs come, you used George Pickens earlier, right? If the mm -hmm. Chiefs come out of the NFL draft with George Pickens as their only wide receiver, I I don't need to hear another press conference. Guess what? I think they feel like they have a little bit more of McCole Hardman than he's shown in the past three mm -hmm. years. I get the production's good, but, like, they're expecting more from him. If they come out, of the draft with only a guy that doesn't really do much of what Tyree killed did. They're going to be relying a lot on McCole Hardman to fill those shoes. And that's absolutely fine. If that's what they come out of the draft with now, conversely, they come out of the draft with Jamison Williams. They come out of the draft with an Olave Garrett Wilson, somebody like Jahan dots and somebody of that mold. I don't know. Maybe what we just heard a lot of today was a little bit of that, that smoke screen saying, Hey, we're not interested in those receivers because those guys all operate in the same area last year of McColl's contract. Like, I think we will get that answer before to another press conference, mm -hmm. but I want to play, I, I want to play a little game with you right now, Craig. Oh, I love games. This is, this is pre-draft. So like, there's no right or wrong answer. There's actually no way to be right or wrong here. So it's not really a game, but it's questions. Which wide receiver currently on the chiefs roster leads the team in catches in 2022. Travis Kelsey is not included as wide receiver not included. You, I'll even I'll even let you say a rookie if you think a rookie leads one of these categories. But in no, I think I think ooh, I think it's going to be Juju. I, I just I think it's going to be Juju. I think he's going to be the safe option. I think he's going to be a chain mover. Like I think that it's going to end up being Juju. I want to say MVS. I think everybody sees him as more of a vertical dude, but I. think think the way that they're going to use him in this offense they're going to get him the ball plenty like i think he's going to see some volume his way too but i'll go juju we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, 
Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Juju, uh, his name didn't come up a lot today from it Andy didn't. or Mahomes. And it I don't didn't. Good, bad, indifferent, I don't know. I don't know what that means. It's just his name did not come up. Now, Andy was specifically asked about MVS because I guess mm-hmm. they he probably talked after the Juju signing or around Correct. it, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe that's why. But just his name just didn't come up. So I just thought that was, you know, he was referenced. It just his name didn't come up much. Yeah. Um, yardage. Yardage. Who leads Ooh. this team? And we'll Ooh. go. You can give me receiving and scrimmage if you want to include rushing and think that helps boost somebody over. Um. No, I don't need to include it. Oh, man. I am. Oh, this is. Uh, I'm going to go with McColl. I, I I think that, you know, I think he's going to see the touches that he saw, you know, so far in his career. His yardage has definitely trended up. It has gotten, you know, significantly better in games that Tyree Kill isn't there because he can run some of those routes, you know, those deep overs, those go routes out of the slot. I think he's going to be effective. So I think he's going to not replace Tyree Kill by any way, shape, or form, but he's going to get some more of those touches on top of the other touches that he is already getting. So I, I do think he's got a chance to lead the wide receiver group in yards. I don't know that it's going to be like, an impressive amount, though. Like, I don't know that we're sitting here going, wow, can you believe that McCall Hardman went for 1,400 yards? It may be 900 yards, but they may also have two other guys that are in the, you know, 700-yard range <laughs> as well. You know, kind of raise the entire floor a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's the way I'd lead with yardage, too, because, well, as of right now, what we're looking at, Hardman's clearly the guy that's going to take over a lot of those Tyree Kill type stuff. I mean, you said it, MVS, the sneaky, sneaky guy to run some of the same stuff. He will, he should get a lot of the vertical, the outside the numbers vertical shots. And I, Tyree Kill didn't run a ton of those, but he still ran more than anybody else for the Chiefs. So MVS is going to get some of those. Uh, he can still run some of your posts, some of your deep overs. Like he's going to mix in on some of those deep shots. No, I, I wouldn't pick MVS to lead in yardage or receptions or touchdowns. Like touchdowns are coming next. You can start thinking. Mm-hmm. I think you. MVS will be fine for the Chiefs. He'll be good. He will be an improvement over anything else they've played as their outside receiver, you know, since healthy Sammy Watkins. And he might even, you know, year long production might be on the same page because Watkins was hurt so much. But like, I don't think he's going to lead in any category, uh, but we're going touchdowns now. Who are you taking for touchdowns at the receiver position? Oh my goodness. This is really tough because, you know, McCall Hardman has trended down in his touchdowns, you know, over the past three years. Now, again, you know, he's got guys in front of him. The usage is going to be what it is. I am going to go. I'm going to go with Juju. Um, I think we saw plenty of opportunities where the chiefs, got in tight they want to throw the ball in the red zone they're looking for those guys that operate a little bit more underneath if i could pick a tight end that wasn't travis kelsey i'm like there there's sneakily a chance that one of those guys can be contending you know be a three or four td guy but i think juju's gonna win underneath a little bit more and so he's gonna win in those short areas of the field so he's gonna be the guy that gets it I would say MVS if they were going to throw the fade ball a little more, but I know I, until I start seeing back shoulder fades in the red zone out of Patrick Mahomes, I, I I'm going to go Juju. 
I think Juju's the right choice. I mean, he's been in the league for what five seasons right now, mm-hmm. and anytime he's played over twelve games, he's had seven touchdowns or more. Yeah. Uh, the the one time he only played twelve games, he had three touchdowns, but that was with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges and whatever else they were running out. It's like when he plays, he's go- he's really good in the red zone. Like you know, seven touchdowns, seven touchdowns, and three that 2019 year, but then back to nine when everybody was talking about how he's on the decline in 2020, 2020, he still had nine touchdowns. Like, And that was a, with Chase Claypool sharking a lot of touchdowns that yeah. year too. I mean, he, he still put well, up numbers like in that. Deontay offense. Johnson's a, a slouch either. Like he's no. another guy that get open. So like, yeah, like he's, he's a good red zone receiver. I think he's a, a good guy to option. And he's a tough physical runner. You want to throw mm-hmm. those slip ske- screens. You want to give a little Ooh. pop pass underneath. Juju's explosive enough to take that in, but he's physical enough that he might fall forward for those extra couple yards. Like I think, I think that I think that was a good guess. Now, which one of those categories? This is the final one. Which one of those categories could you see a draft pick leading the team in? Whoever it might be, like you can, you know, you can give a name or no name. Just which category do you think is most likely for a draft pick to come in and lead the Chiefs receiving group in? Man, if Juju wasn't here, I'd say touchdowns. I would because yeah. I, I I think that you could get a guy that could compete with McColl and MVS and those. I'm gonna say yards i'm gonna say yards it's not it's not it's not catches i just don't uh, patrick <laughs> mom's gonna take a little while to warm up so yeah. i think i think it's going to have to, if i had to pick one it's going to be yards i don't know like especially if it's jameson williams like i can see a couple of big long bombs going to him even if it's george pickens i can see them operating and let that yak work or Traylon burks even now well, maybe not Traylon Burks but I mean you know the yak capability is there and with the physical nature of these guys I get I can definitely see a rookie contending at least for yards versus some of those other ones yeah I think I'm in the I'm the same boat um I could see it being on one with most teams looking at this receiver group I could see it being a, a touchdowns uh a big receiver comes in catches a lot of contested balls works the back line of the end zone you know back shoulders fades all that stuff but that's not where Mahomes usually likes to throw in the red zone. Um, so mm-hmm. it, I think it'll be hard for someone to come in and overtake the, you know, what I think Juju might be able to do over the middle of the field in that role. So I might lean yards. And like you said, a speedster guy that maybe the Chiefs see as a better vertical threat than McCole Hardman, like a guy that's just a little bit more nuanced with his ability to run the vertical routes. And all of a sudden, he starts eating into some of those routes. And, you know, Garrett Wilson's great after the catch. Jamison Williams is probably mm-hmm. the fastest player in this draft class, like on a football field. Like, you get one of those guys, or even Burks. Like, I'm, I'm with you on Burks. You get him, you get some of those meshes and screens going, you get him the ball, and all of a sudden – you see a stretch of games where he has 150 yards and a lot of it's after the catch or something like I wouldn't be surprised. So I'd say touchdowns, then yards and then receptions last. I don't, I think Juju's a pretty safe without being injured, a pretty safe guy to take the receptions one uh, home. So I I think so too. I think so too. I'm with you there. All right. We can let's, move on the defense now. I will let you quit talking about oh, offense. We can, we can we can move. We can move I've been on. Keeping it together this entire time, Maddie. Um, first thing that I want to talk about before we move on to kind of uh, the the last point that we've got here, I did want to touch on Nick Bolton a little bit. Uh, Nick oh. Bolton, you know, did talk a little bit about you know trying to lead this team but not force it. Um, I thought that was very interesting uh, of him. Very clearly recognizes. He's in a leadership role, said that he still talks to Anthony Hitchens monthly. You know, he said he owes a significant debt of gratitude to, you know, Hitchens for everything that he helped him with coming into the league. 
but mentioned that, you know, he's trying to kind of take command of the room, maybe a little bit passively, um, maybe a little bit. And, it, it, you know, I, I thought it was very interesting. He's not going to try and come in and stake his claim and say, I'm the green dot. I'm the mic. I'm the guy that runs this. It's like, no, you know, I, I have to earn this. This is something that I have to show and prove that I'm doing it. He did mention the, you know, music to every Chiefs fan's ears that he's been spending all offseason working on his own coverage. And, you know, I'm, it, listen, he admitted, he's like, that was the weakest part of my game. So something that he needs to improve on. But I thought the the leadership side of that was the most interesting bit because I think that that's a, an element that we all expected out of Nick Bolton. You know, he's a high IQ guy, high football IQ guy, and a guy that's capable of leading the defense. The fact that he, you know, kind of made it a point to say, you know, I'm I, it has to be earned still, and I still have to earn this, and I'm going to be still trying to lead this, but I'm not going to just come in and try and grab it by the throat. I thought it was very interesting to hear from a young player that way. Yeah, I I think the way he approached it was really good. Um, I The fact that, like, it, I think it's pretty clear. He was the guy that was getting the dot when Anthony Hitchens wasn't there. They've brought in nobody that jumps out immediately to be a Mike. I mean, that's not yeah. Jermaine Carter's kind of role. That's not, I don't see Willie Gay just all of a sudden getting it when he hasn't had it these past couple seasons. It's definitely going to be him. But it was good to see the way he approached it and saying, like, no, that's not my decision. That's everybody's. We're going to get there. I, the most interesting part to me was, you mentioned it, working on his zone coverage, but he, he specifically said zone coverage. And now that's there's not a lot you can do, I guess, in like an offseason <laughs> to work on man coverage. Yes, you can do footwork right. drills and you can go out there and do stuff. But the fact that he singled out zone coverage to say that's where I need to work and not man coverage and – his man coverage is not any better than his own coverage last year. It might be worse, actually. Like, that's just not where the way he doesn't move backwards and laterally like that. He comes downhill. Mm -hmm. But, like, the fact that he singled out zone coverage, I mean, that he's playing Mike. Like, he told yeah. you right there that he's playing Mike. Absolutely. He said, I'm working on my zone coverage, not my coverage, not my zone and man coverage, my zone coverage. He's playing Mike. Somebody else is going to be on the outside on, you know, either side or one side Willie. or the other. <laughs> Willie over here, Jermaine Carter, whoever yeah. is playing outside linebacker next to him and will be doing the majority of, you know, your man coverage stuff. Or like, because I think he very specifically talked and mentioned mm -hmm. zone for a reason. Yeah. Talked about understanding route distributions a little bit better, getting getting a little more range, you know, in his drops. So, you know, seeing the routes develop a half a tick earlier. I, it, it was a very candid answer. It was a good one. But yeah, no. I, how often was Anthony Hitchens in man coverage? Very, very rarely. Well, unless you're playing Green Bay. Unless you're playing Green Bay. And that that was... The, listen, they sorted out their empty very shortly after that. Like Spags was definitely trying some stuff. He's like, eh, let's see how this will go. Oh, okay, never mind. Yank that out of the playbook. Right. So yeah, but um, no, I, I, I thought it was very interesting to hear him say that very clearly going to be the mic. I also thought it was very interesting for him to say that because the dime backer does end up in man coverage quite a bit. We've seen, you know, last year, Nick Bolton was the backup dime linebacker. You know, he was the guy that was in there after you know, Ben Neiman came off the field, you know, end of games or if Neiman was hurt or something like that. It was definitely Bolton and not Willie Gay. And part of that's because he has the green dot, but we didn't see it occur 
or, you know, man coverage is a major part of that because they blitz so many guys. You're going to leave the linebacker on a little bit of an island and you're going to ask him to play man coverage sometimes. If he's not working on man coverage, maybe dime linebacker becomes a little bit of a, you know, a difference maker there. Okay. Maddie, ready for our last one here? Oh, let, let's get in. Let's get into the exciting and also slightly depressing, the yeah, de- depressing I mean, topic here. Listen, listen. We all know how the Chiefs feel about cornerbacks. They don't acknowledge them in the early parts of the draft. And the top 30 visits for the Kansas City Chiefs are definitely guys that haven't been acknowledged in the early parts of the draft. Lots of day three cornerbacks that they brought in for top 30 visits, including a guy out of East Carolina University, Jaquan McMillan, Maddie. I bet this guy sticks. Oh, man, so do I. So here, he's a little undersized at five foot 10, 183 pounds. But I mean, his DB coach straight up said, we played him on the outside and he's going to be a dog in the nickel. Like that's exactly what he talked about. This is a, a nickel corner through and through. He's pretty dense for his size. He's explosive. I think he put up 15 reps on the bench press at 180 pounds. Like that's pretty good. So he's going to come in. He's going to play nickel. He's smart, explosive, and he's very willing to be physical and come downhill and tackle. Guys like that stay in the NFL. Guys like that, They stick in the NFL. And now, here it is, guys. If you're looking for some golf clubs, if you need a new set of golf clubs, you got to check out Sticks Golf Clubs. They're the best set available. They are so good. You're going to be sitting there. You're going to be watching the match. You're going to be watching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen take it to the old guys. They're going to be driving it up and down the course. They're going to be using their wedges, just like Mahomes said. And you know what? They probably got them from Sticks Golf Clubs because that's where you get the best value. You're getting the best clubs at half the price as anybody else. So right now, if you need a new set of clubs, you got to go to sticks.golf. Use the promo code KCSN10 and get 10% off of your whole order. So you can sit there. You can watch the match. You can practice your swings with your Sticks Golf Clubs from sticks.com, promo code KCSN10, and you can get yourself a new set of sticks. Love it. Absolutely love it. McMillan makes some sense. I think he's got some ball production too. So, I mean, it fits, it fits the Spagnuolo criteria there and the physicality as well. But Pro football rest... focuses number two corner in 2020. I know. I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> but a lot of the other guys that they're bringing in are guys that come to mind a little more readily when you think of Steve Spagnuolo. Um uh, let, let's let's run down some of them here. Yeah, Washington State cornerback Jalen Watson, who we have featured on an I Bet He Sticks as a Chiefs-specific guy. I mean, you had Fayetteville State cornerback Joshua Williams. Hey, another I Bet He Sticks guy. Toledo cornerback Samuel Womack. You also have had, um, I believe, Gregory Jr. out of Wachita Baptist. These are all guys that are bigger, longer cornerbacks it definitely seems like guys that they are looking at for the boundary, but also guys that, you know, Brett Veach and company clearly with the top 30 visits, if there's anything at all to read into those very clearly appear to be looking at day three of the draft again to try and fill their cornerback position. Maddie, I, I know we like some of those guys. We do. Uh, we uh, There's a couple of those guys that we'd be very happy in Kansas City, but let's talk overall, overall philosophy first. How does that make you feel? 
<laughs> I mean, they're, they're... Let, let's cut straight to the chase, right? I, later this week, uh, the next edition of the lab, you know, barring another set of press conferences or something, we, we want to talk a little bit more about some of the draft visits. So we'll get there later in the week, but sticking just at quarterback right now, and like, like I said, we'll get to it. The, their corner room visits are wildly different than some other positions right now, right? Uh, the Chiefs in the past have, they use their, their visits very specifically. They use them to check medicals. They use them to check character stuff. And then they get in guys that essentially are going to go undrafted. They mm -hmm. are getting in guys that are going to be UDFAs or late round picks. They want to get more time with them, essentially, I guess, to get a jump on the process. Or, you know, guys that you just probably don't get the, the luxury of just saying, nope, you belong to me no matter what. Like, you come in, you're trying to set in that face-to-face. -face, you're trying to get that relationship. You're hard selling them. You're yeah. hard selling them. You're, yeah, you're becoming trying to a salesman on a top 30 visit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause when you, when you're a UDFA, you get to pick where you go essentially. I mean, you know, old team has to be interested, but if you get 32 offers, you get to choose from 32 offers. Mm -hmm. If you've only visited one team and it's the chiefs, well, guess who probably looks the best out of 32 options, the team you visited. Right. So this is how the chiefs usually use their visits. Seeing so many cornerbacks compared to other positions being squarely, you know, day three guys or UDFA guys, you know, some of the bigger dudes, the Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, mm -hmm. they're, they're going to be drafted maybe closer to day two than day three mm -hmm. even, but like mm -hmm. they'll be drafted. But a lot of these other guys, they're day three corners. Like the, I feel like the chiefs are being very upfront with where they value the cornerback position, not only in totality, but this year, like, am I, am I reading into this entirely wrong or the, is Brett Veach literally standing up on a, on a soapbox yelling, Hey guys, I don't care about corner. Look at the guys we care about. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Brett Veach Please. is leaning into the bit. He's leaning into the bit. He loves the cornerbacks at the top of this draft class. And so he's targeting Kyrie Elam or Andrew Booth Jr. But he's like, listen, stubby arms. We can't, we can't be having those dudes in here. We can't be looking at those guys, you know, it, formally, because then teams are going to be like, oh, it's okay. And looking at it going, oh, there's Brett again, thinking that he can catch lightning in a bottle. You know, they got Legereus Need and Rashad Fenton starting on the outside. And those are two day three guys. He just thinks that he can get day three guys and start anywhere. So maybe, I, I don't know. That seems like, like a waste of top 30 visits. The more, the more I'm talking about it. I mean, they only have so many, 30. So it's, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some UDFK guys, maybe trying to catch some of these guys. But I do think it's notable that like, you don't see a Martin Emerson on this list you know guys like that you don't you don't see guys that are kind of in the middle of round two in the middle of day two guys that are projected to go there whereas before you have sometimes seen some of those guys in you know maybe we heard about it a little bit you know closer to the draft but there doesn't seem to be a focus on evaluating some of these cornerbacks and like a guy like andrew booth jr why is he not all... coming Wait, what's that why has he not been in? Like the, right, the exactly. Chiefs are He's very got all the medicals in the world. So, right. so are they just out out? Like the Chiefs Maybe. aren't gonna draft the Chiefs aren't gonna draft a guy with medical concerns that couldn't test at all without getting their own medicals on him. And I don't know of all the rules, so I don't think there's a way that they can get it without bringing him in on a top thirty visit. Right. So like the fact that he hasn't been in, like I almost combine. feel like takes a combine, off. but he had core muscle surgery after the combine. after like right like yeah he got hurt leading up to the combine he did that and then he got yeah had the surgery after but like all these guys were at the combine with medicals and they brought them back in for yep. checks against so like i just i almost feel like unless you hear something about him visiting the chiefs here in the next you know week 
he might be completely off their board. And whether that's medically related, maybe it's where they just didn't like something about him. I don't know. It's just, I would be shocked if a guy like him that has these medical concerns is all of a sudden on the board when they haven't seen him. Um, Or even, I mean, like you said, there's not been a lot of Josh Williams, maybe is going to push into round two. But they're not Maybe. looking at round one, round two corners here. Mm-hmm. They're not getting your Tariq Woolen, Zion McCollum, stuff like that. These other athletic guys that fit the general physical profile that the Chiefs usually like. They're not coming in. So this is either the the best smokescreen, not even really a smokescreen, just like nah. the best misdirection ever. Or the Chiefs are just like, eh, we'll we'll fill this roster out on day three with UDFAs per and see, I can I can see that. I mean, think about it this way. How okay, let me put it to you this way. A lot of those guys, like Tariq Woolen, we like, you know, uh, Martin Emerson, a guy we like, Jalen Armour Davis, a guy that we like. How much more do you like them than a Joshua Williams, than, you know, a, another longer guy that's on the out, Jalen Watson? Like, I, I understand that we do like them more, but do you like them two rounds? more or would you are are you looking at that and going listen the the difference between those guys is not so great that i feel like hey i'm one of these guys is going to start immediately and play all these snaps and the other one is a guy that i got to train for three years or are you looking at it going listen both of these guys take about the same amount of time to get on spagnolo's field so why not wait and try and take a guy later do you feel that way or are you more enamored with some of those guys that are in round two for me, um, so you got your top, you got your top round guys. We'll say up to Kyir Elam, you know, Stingley Booth, Gardner, sure. McDuffie Elam. You know, those guys are all together. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis and Kyler Gordon, I think, are kind of on their own tier by themselves. Next, I think that to me, those are the very clear next two guys. So Jalen and Jalen Armour Davis won't go as high because he's got medical concerns in the past. So same thing with Booth. If the Chiefs Hasn't don't been bring brought him in, in. Uh, no, mm-hmm. yeah. So if the Chiefs don't bring him in, are they okay now? He at least played the majority of the year. They got mm-hmm. their final check. He hasn't been hurt since the combine, but still, that's worth noting. Um, but after those two guys, no, everybody else is the same. I would rather have Josh Williams, Jalen Watson in round four than anybody else after those two guys. Like I don't, I don't think anybody else really moves the needle anymore. So now we're slowly trending back towards Brett Veach's famous, famous line. Oh, the value at corners never there for us. Like, well, yes, because <laughs> You're going to have to overdraft a corner. Like it's a position that matters. You're going to have to over and edge. Like these are positions you have to overdraft. Like we're getting dangerously close to essentially that happening in real time. The value at corner is likely not going to be what the chiefs want unless they're willing to take a guy that's falling because of injury risks. Right. And they have notoriously been averse to that sort of thing. Everybody that we hear about rumors, you know, even public stuff that we've heard about is basically, no, they are, very averse to it unless they've done so much work that they feel like they've figured it out like Trey Smith last year. You know, it that's that's what it is because guys that have had some injury co- concerns that they have taken, a guy like Lucas Niang, who Andy Reid talked about today, has struggled to be on the field for this team a little bit. And, you know, obviously it sounds like that he's making progress back from that patellar injury that he had, but puts more question marks. And so this team has just typically been a lot more risk averse to injury concerns, which is why when you see guys that have come in that have injury concerns and they're vetting them, you can be like, okay, well, they obviously feel comfortable enough. And when you don't, man, you can almost you know, strike them from the list. So 
Yeah, Maddie. Um, we're we're kind of coming around to Brett Veach's line of thinking somewhat here. It's no, my turn. My turn for Devils. Advocate. Okay, your turn. Okay, ready? Are you yes. ready for Devils? Advocate? Let's get people out of here on a happy note. The okay. Chiefs are only looking at you know these UDFA type corners uh, and some day three guys because after they take one of the first round, like they need multiple. Like their cornerback room is not solved with one. So they're going to come out. They're going to take one early because they already know it. They already like him. They met him at the combine. They met him wherever. You know, they talked to him. They got that done. Now they're just looking for the next guy. Who else are we filling out the room? You know, who's going to go compete with, I think, DiCaprio Boodle's listed as a cornerback mm-hmm. now and no longer a safety. Mm-hmm. Who's going to go p- compete with Boodle? Because, I mean, somebody has to. There's nobody on this roster. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're looking at. Maybe that's what all these visits are. They're not looking for their their first corner with these visits. They're looking for the second guy, the third guy to fill out the roster. I mean, I don't know. This is hopeful stuff. Uh, I think in a perfect world, even for Brett Veach, who we joke about not liking corner, in a perfect world, that's what all these guys are. The problem mm-hmm. is, in years past, and he pretty much has stated it, he follows a very strict value when he's drafting. Like He looks at their pockets of value, and cornerbacks are never in that first, maybe second pockets of value. And I get it. It's the position that the rest of the NFL is going to overdraft. If you're going to stick to that strictly, it's going to be really hard to pick it pick 29 and pick 50 and pick 62 and get mm-hmm. a cornerback in that top set of values. So like, we'll see if it changes this year, but if not, you know, the chiefs are at least doing a lot of work. They're looking at corners. They know the room's not filled out. I think Mm -hmm. the fact that you're seeing big guys, small guys, guys of all shapes and sizes, essentially coming into these visits, at least let you know that they're, they're not, you know, singled in on one thing. They're looking for slots. They're looking for outsides. Like they know they need a lot of bodies. It's just a matter of where do they come off the board and the projected value of these visits. Not great. Well, and again, I mean, you look at it, if you're filling out the bottom of your roster, you're getting some special teamers, and you're trying to take a gamble on some guys, like that's that's the position on this roster that you are clearly going to be able to just sit there and stock at this point and give yourself some swings. They may be day three swings. They may be closer to bunts than they are full swings, but he, he's done a pretty good job of identifying value. I, I'm with Matty. You take Joshua Williams in day three of the draft? Like, that... That pick's probably getting an A plus from me and probably from Maddie. Even even if they haven't drafted another cornerback, it's still getting a very high grade. So with Absolutely. that being said, but <laughs> we're gonna get out of here. Thank you all so much for joining us by the Casey Draft Guide. Link is right down there. Get down there, okay. click that, subscribe, you know, rate and review us on iTunes. Go out there, give us five stars if you like what you heard. We're leading up to the draft here. We will be back later this week, but until then, we will catch you later. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.